was one of those eye-opening experiences for me in terms of um, what technology can do, but also it really pushed me to think, like, what is technology? The work that they're doing while they're in school, in school walls, start to bleed into, you know, the rest of the community. All students come to the world prepared to learn. Providing um, these beautiful learning environments where everyone's together, trying to help everyone be the best they can be authentic learning experience, collegial relationships that that are ultimately going to yield a positive school culture where, where learning flourishes. There is no artist who paints without their whole life coming into that painting, right? Same with every musician and every writer and every teacher for that matter. If you really dedicate yourself and you put in the time and you're smart with it, uh, you can really do anything with it. You are listening to the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast. Here's your host, Josh Rapoon. Hey, everybody. This is the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast series. My name is Josh Rapoon. I'm your host. And today we're here with Zach Morita, who is a middle school teacher at New Valley Middle in East Oahu. Zach, welcome. Thank you for having me. So, Zach, I want to start with just the sort of born and raised thing. So you were born and raised where? Um, On Oahu. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you grew up where? I grew up in New Honor and Liliha. Okay. And you went to public school? Yep, public school, elementary, middle, high school. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know this seems like a big question right out of the <laughs> gate, Zach, um, but tell me about the moment in school. Um, wait, where did you go to high school? McKinley High School. McKinley High School. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the moment in school, middle or high school, when you felt most alive, most engaged, most like a learner. I think definitely when I did band. So as soon as I started playing the trumpet, that's when I felt connected and there was purpose, a reason for me to come to school. And the people that I surrounded myself with, the teachers that I had, were so dedicated to it. And I knew, I think from middle school, I wasn't quite sure, but I knew definitely in high school, my junior year, that the experiences I had, the trips that we went on, that I wanted to do teaching and in music. Do you remember the first moment when you became aware that band was a possibility for you? For me, um, my brother played trumpet and I kind of just followed in his footsteps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so in in terms of playing the trumpet or in terms of just being a band, like what instruments did you get drawn to in the beginning? Um, It was pretty much just trumpet. I just... I don't know where. I think it was probably just hearing my brother at concerts and hearing the trumpets had the good parts and the main parts normally, solos, and I was just drawn to that. And have you reflected back on why you, Zach, and your DNA in particular, why you gravitate towards music? I think academically, um, I may have been done well, and but I wasn't like at the top. So for me, I'm a very competitive person, okay. and I knew that I think music could have been something, if I worked hard enough, um, I could be the best that I could be. And I think in math or science, there were always going to be people that were smarter than me, no matter how much I, I studied. But I felt like music was really something, if you really dedicate yourself and you put in the time and you're smart with it, uh, you can really do anything with it. Okay. Okay. 
So I know this may come across as a as a very hard question, and um, I, I I don't want to hit you with it too early out <laughs> of the gate, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Okay. So Zach, I know where you're from, which is Oahu, and that you grew up in Nuuanu, right? But I want to know where you're coming from, and that's a different question. So where are you coming from? Could you elaborate? <laughs> so so let me let me put it this way: like I I hit somebody with this question mm-hmm. uh, during a design session, and she said, "I'm coming from a place in between. I'm always in between this." And that, and I exist in that in-between space, and that informs the way my life is. Mm-hmm. So, for you, like, where are you coming from? I think I come from a place where I was very privileged, and I think I had a lot from my family, from educators. I had a lot of support, and for me, wanting to become a teacher, that I think that's where I got inspired from, where I need to feel like I need to give back because of what I have been provided. Mm. And I want to impact students to also do the same, to want to be significant, to want to help others with what they have. There's a phrase, uh, um, to whom much is given, much is required. Mm. Sounds like you are kind of developing that as a a personal credo. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about your journey to Neo Valley Middle. Um, what do you want our listeners, and our listeners could be in Hawaii or they could be outside of Hawaii, what do you want our listeners to know about that story before you became a public school teacher and then the process of becoming a public school teacher? Before I wanted to become a teacher, it was pretty much, I loved money too. So I wanted to do anything that made a lot of money. I actually, Wow, you're, you're looking at something that doesn't quite work out, right? Yeah. <laughs> I actually had my family buy me a real cash register, not a toy one, but like a real one. And I would want to handle real money with like my family and stuff like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but again, along the way, I think I just realized that money wasn't everything. Yeah, and I found my passion for music and eventually teaching. And then in junior year, that's where I made my decision. And from there, I never, I never looked back. Okay. Hmm? So I, I want to talk a little bit more about the music part of this, mm-hmm. since you're a music teacher. And this is the part where I really want to dig <clears> in, Zach. Um, so what does music mean to your life? Almost at a philosophical level, mm-hmm. at a maybe even a spiritual level, at a meta level. What does music mm-hmm. mean to your life? For me, music is something where, as an introvert, as a shy person, that when I'm on stage, when I'm in a live performance, I feel like I can be as authentic and genuine as I can be. And there's no one that's telling me how to play a phrase or what kind of mood I need to be in. I decide that for myself. And I know there are a lot of kids out there that would be able to use music as an outlet for them where maybe they're not able to write very well or they are too shy to speak in front of, uh, in, in, in public but I think in music, you can do it as a solo or you could do it as you could be record yourself. If you don't want people to do it live, you could be in a group setting, chamber setting, in a large ensemble, orchestra band. So there's so many different opportunities where kids can find their niche in music. 
So it sounds like you're kind of taking your life experience, mm-hmm. your connection to music, and trying to make that possible yes. for other kids as well. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So what role does music play outside of your position as a teacher now? I like to collaborate with others. Uh, so I'm a member of the Oahu Band Directors Association. Uh, I served as treasurer. Um, I also have my own nonprofit organization, the Hawaii Youth Percussion Ensemble, wow. uh, where we have a small group of students who are committed to percussion and music and uh, just playing, practicing, things like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so how do you stay connected to musicians here in Hawaii? What's the process for doing that? Um, I just reach out to people through, a lot of times it's just email, and then we connect that way. So I connect with people with the Hawaii Symphony, Chamber Music, Hawaii, and then that often leads to collaboration where they may do a master class with my students or will host uh, people from the mainland who will come in and then to do a workshop you know, on, on a particular music topic. Okay. So how how does music sort of give life to, or how is music the, the genesis of other elements of your life? So like, so let, let's say even outside of teaching and just things that you do in your life, something that isn't specifically musical, you're not playing something, you're not working with other musicians, but you find that music is somehow informing what it is that you're doing. And I, I just, I know it sounds silly, but like, you know, you're, you're going on a hike or you're going to the grocery store or you're, you're talking to your grandmother or whatever that is. How do you find music comes into that in your, in your mind, in your heart? I think music allows us to be more human, yeah, reaching that human side of feeling and emotion because kids oftentimes get so into um, social media and texting, right? So they don't right. have the ability oftentimes to speak in a conversation fully with, with someone. Yeah, And I really feel like music taps into that emotional side yeah, to help us and be more compassionate uh, to think about other people and how we can reach out to them. Mm-hmm. You know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about um, having to do something 10,000 times before you master it, right? 10,000 hours. 10,000 mm-hmm. hours, mm-hmm. right. Um, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm really struck by that idea. Does that play out in your life? Has it played out in your life? I think so, yeah. I think... It's and in, in music, it's actually getting harder and harder for kids to reach that point where of mastery uh, because they'll find other activities maybe that they want to do be, before that. Yeah, so trying as a teacher, trying to find ways to keep kids motivated and engaged in music so that they can continue is really something that I think we need, especially in Hawaii. Uh, we actually don't, I think, really have a really strong arts community, music community. There are committed people, but as far as the audience scores, I think we need to do a better job of advocating for live music. Right. So so when what is it what does it mean, Zach? Sorry, I'm I'm really probing about this music <laughs> thing because because I have zero musical ability, or at least I thought I did. I'm gonna give you an example of something later okay. um, where I thought maybe I did have musical <laughs> ability, but um I want, to, I want to talk about what it means to play music with other people. So I'm, I'm referencing Gladwell because I'm picturing mm-hmm. you in the, the 10,000 hours, and that feels mm-hmm. very solitary to me, but very spiritual in a sense. As an artist, you have to work your way through to that mastery. Yes. But what happens when you transition from the solitary to working with other other musicians? You, you do definitely have to work individually. In order for the collaboration to work with other musicians, you have to come with your part learned. You have to know the rhythms and the notes and everything. But when you come together, 
with other musicians, there's actually a lot of discussion that, that goes on. It's not just you play together. Mm. I had these college musicians, a lot of university musicians come uh, of about a month ago uh, to be a part of the Hawaii Chamber Music Festival. So I got to hear them rehearsing and they would rehearse for hours at a time. They were at my room till like 10 o'clock at night um, for, for about an entire week. Right. And just seeing the kinds of conversations that they had about a particular note, it could just be one note in the entire phrase, but they're going back and forth with each other of how to play, like what volume, are they going to slow it down? And to me, that's the higher level of thinking that goes on in music that students can gain from being a part of it. Wow, you've just blown my mind. I'm <laughs> sitting here thinking about what it would be like to have a conversation with you, Zach, about a note <laughs> and playing that note yeah. and how that conversation could go in any different number of directions. And uh -huh. that's just wild and yes. crazy. Okay, everybody, stay with us. We're going to take a break and come back and talk to Zach about some of the specific innovations that he's doing at his middle school music program here on Oahu. We'll be back in a moment. Hi, I'm Tyler Kern from Market Scale. We're excited at the arrival of a new podcast series out of Hawaii titled What School Could Be in Hawaii. Market Scale is thrilled to be partnering with Josh Rapoon on this project and can't wait to hear the insight and thought leadership he brings to EdTech. If you're enjoying this podcast, you can hear it and others over at marketscale.com. You click on industries at the top of the page and then scroll down to EdTech. Hope to see you there. Hey, everybody. We're back with Zach Morita, who's a music teacher at New Valley Middle on the island of Oahu here in Hawaii. So, Zach, I want to talk about specific innovations that I picked up out of your biographic material that you sent to me, which, by the way, thank you, is extremely rich. <laughs> um, lots of links, lots of YouTube links that I um, uh, watched. And so talk to me about um, a student that you're mentoring through a project where he is commissioning composers to create music. What's that all about? Uh, so I have a student who's in eighth grade. He's in my percussion class. He is commissioning five well-known percussion composers uh, to write percussion ensemble music for a group that he's kind of leading right now. Okay. Uh, so he's also a member of my Hawaii Youth Percussion Ensemble program. Right. So he's actually doing this as an outside-of-school activity just wow. because there were tricky situations with funding and everything that we just decided it would be better to do it separate right. from the from the DOE. He actually got the GoFundMe fully funded. So it was three thousand uh, dollars. But initially it was five thousand. So he made up these contracts with the specific composers and then they agreed to a thousand dollars. But because the GoFundMe wasn't going too well. He renegotiated with them, and all five <laughs> agreed to do it for six hundred dollars. Wow! Yeah, so he met his goal. Three of the composers already sent in their pieces, finalized. We paid them already. Uh, two more have their deadline of October first, um, which is coming up soon. So we're really excited for that. And then after that, the student is going to send it off to a publishing company called C. Allen, and okay. we're hoping it's going to go worldwide distribution. I wish I had been a fly on the wall when he was doing those negotiations. <laughs> that must have been pretty remarkable. Yeah. 
Um, did he share much about that moment with you? Did he share what the negotiations were like? Uh, so it's actually worked with him on the contracts, so the written contracts, and then we went kind of back and forth with the composers just to get the fine details written out so that both um, us and them were happy about what was in it. And these are individual pieces of music or, yes, or individual. A, a bunch of parts of a single piece nope, of music? separate. So individual. five separate percussion songs are going to be written. Wow, that's amazing. So this student had to work through that process of commissioning something, which is, there's an expectation that goes with a commission, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that would be like? Um, so first, you have to kind of think, what do you want out of the piece? Yeah, so he had to put maybe what kind of style or what kind of tempo, how many people did he want the song written for? And then we kind of figure out what kind of composers might be good right. for this project. And then we just email them out. Luckily, all five that he emailed were happy to accept it because it was for a, a student, a student project. Yeah, and the student wanted to have input as well. So before right. it got finalized, they had to send a draft of it where he would look through it, listen through it, maybe even play through it a little bit right. and see. So we actually went back and forth a couple of times with some of them. Wow, this is astounding. Okay, so now I'm totally fired up, if you can't <laughs> tell. So I'm now we're now in a PD moment together, Zach, <laughs> and I'm back in my teaching days, and I'm teaching early European history. And now I'm really sparked because I've got an idea, which is that maybe my kids could actually commission artists in Hawaii to do original pieces and go through the commissioning process as well. So I've just, it's like we've just experienced like a spark (laughs) moment, right? A spark and Mm -hmm. inspire moment where I've picked up on something that you're doing, but I can apply it to what I'm doing in my Mm -hmm. classroom, which is really wild and crazy. So so I I want to say one more thing. I actually want the student and my other students to maybe even create their own pieces. So after seeing this process, yeah, they are going to be the ones who get music published and maybe someone comes to them as an opportunity for pay or money or something like that. Right. So Mm -hmm. then they're commissioned to do a particular Mm -hmm. piece, which is that's the next level Mm -hmm. up, right? So talk to me about your project with the Hawaii Chamber Music uh, Festival. It sounds very inclusive, the way that you described it to me in your bio. Uh, so the founder, his name is Chris Yick. He's a Iolani graduate. He's an, I think he's a sophomore junior uh, in college right now. Okay. And he's, he brings in musicians. A lot of them are his colleagues. Uh, sometimes they're recent graduates of universities. And they do concerts three seasons throughout the year. And then in addition to the concerts, they do workshops with students. So I was lucky enough that they did a two-day clinic with my students. Wow. What was that like? Uh, It was great because I have an exploratory class now. So the kids are actually learning about the different instrument groups. So having, because I'm not a string specialist, so having these string players, violin, cello, viola come in uh, was great for the kids to get inspired that, hey, that's something that I might want to do next year. Right. Okay. So again, fired up, right? So I've done this on other podcasts. I'm going to slip into a little bit of a role play. So my, my name is James. I'm just young James. I'm a middle school student. And I'm sitting down with you in your classroom. There's no one else there. And I'm interested in this exploratory music class that you're offering. But I want to talk to you about it a little bit. Um, Mr. Morita, could you tell me a little bit more about exploratory music? So in exploratory music, James, uh, you're going to be learning for maybe a couple weeks. Um, You're going to be learning how to play a string instrument, woodwind, brass, and also percussion so that you can get a taste of each of them. And then maybe from there, decide which one you'd like to further pursue uh, for a longer period of time. So it's kind of going to kind of spark an interest in you. 
But I don't have any musical capability, Mr. Morita. Yeah, and that's what this class is for. Yeah, so we're going to build a strong foundation in you. We're going to start with music theory, teach you about note naming, rhythm counting, build that confidence within you uh, so that maybe you find an enjoyment in music mm-hmm. yeah, and know that pretty much all your classmates are going to be like you and at a beginning level, no experience. Maybe they didn't even like music because of past experiences, but we're here to inspire you to want to pursue it because it's something that has impacted me and in no way can also affect you. So I'm going to share something with you. I know this sounds very mature for a middle school student, but I'm going to share it with you. <laughs> um, I, I I can't sit still. I can't sit at a desk. I just, I have to get up and move. Like, is this, what's <clears throat> it going to be like for me when I go through this process? We actually do a lot of flexible seating right now. So instead of me up in the front, like a traditional music teacher would being the conductor, uh, you can sit on a stool, you can sit on the floor, you can work by yourself. Sometimes we do a lot of small group work. Uh, we use Flipgrid so that you can video record yourself. So there's lots of movement in exploratory class. So it sounds like I'm going to have sort of a series of pathways. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, these are musical pathways, yep. if you will, and that I can go down them, but I can yes. also switch. It depends on yeah. how I how I interact mm-hmm. with that. That sounds really, really interesting. It sounds sort of beginning low stakes because I'm not committing to an instrument. Yes. But on the other hand, there's a possibility that if I do decide to go down like the string path or the percussion path, that then there will be support for me to yeah, do that. Yeah, the growth will be huge. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, Zach, I'm going to step back out of uh, this role <laughs> play and, and get to um, the much anticipated entree I wrote in my notes <laughs> here. So you won um, $100,000, right? $100,000 yes. award from Farmers Insurance? Yes. Um, and this was to create something that you call the Music Olympics, which is going to happen in March, right? Yes. Tell us about this. Tell us about how you decided where the idea came from and how the idea connected with the award and how you move forward okay. with it. I learned about the Farmers Program from the 2017 winner, so Trish Morgan, who's from Stevenson Middle yeah. School. She's so, going to be a future podcast, oh, great, a great. podcast yeah. guest. Yeah. So I learned about it from her and thought, wow, that's fantastic what she did for her school, for her students. And I want to do the same for my students. So I started thinking, what kind of event does Hawaii not have? Mm. And I thought, we do not have a music event that brings together all the different mediums, where it's string, percussion, woodwind, brass. And right. so we're going to create a collaborative event. And I like... Like I said, I'm competitive, so I wanted a competition format uh, where there's prizes for a second, third, just like the Olympics. But at the same time, there had to be a learning component. And that's where we're bringing in the professional musicians, the Hawaii Symphony, Chamber Music Hawaii players to mentor and coach the students as they prepare for the Music Olympic event. That's that's astounding. Are you getting any sleep at night? This you've got you've got a lot of things going on here. Yeah, it's yeah, it's been yeah, but I, I like it. This one is a particularly big program, right? Because you're yes. coordinating a lot of different mm-hmm. things. Am I right in understanding that the kids have an opportunity to group up together? Um, yes, to make... they, are, they are not allowed to enter as a soloist. Yes, so they have to have at least a pair. Wow, that's brilliant. But within the group, they could do solo pieces, but they have to at least do one other ensemble piece. And how do they find each other? If they can do it within their school, if they wanted to, if they take private lessons, they could also do it that way. I've also reached out to people and said, if you don't have a team, come to me, contact me, have your parents contact me, and we can get you into a team. So you're acting sort of as a catalyst Mm -hmm. or or a connecting point. Wow, that's really, really neat. 
everybody, we're going to take a short break and come back with Zach Morita, and we're going to talk about digital portfolios and much more. We'll be right back. Within a generation of 25 years, Kamehameha Schools sees a thriving Lahui where our learners achieve post-secondary and educational success. To this end, Kamehameha Schools is proud to share Halau Inana Makapa'akea, an innovation and collaboration space where Native Hawaiian learners converge as a new generation of OEV leaders, innovators, indigipreneurs, and entrepreneurs. The Halau will host and curate various programs, events, and activities that foster OEV leadership development, creative thinking, and problem-solving, innovation, prototyping, and and incubation. Hey everybody, we're back. This is the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast. Zach, I want to talk about digital portfolios. You talk about this in your biographical material. Um, first, what is a digital portfolio for all the people who might be listening to this podcast? For me, a Digital portfolio is a place where my students can house their work. So formative, summative assessments, everything is in one place for them. So it's easy for them to track. Right. So hard question, possibly. Um, it feels like there's going to be an inevitable avalanche of portfolios at the end of a process, like a semester or a quarter or something like that. And so still the teacher is the one who's sort of receiving all the portfolios and has to work through all the portfolios, right? Yes. I created Google Sheets where every student has access to everyone else's digital right. portfolio. So they can actually look at everyone's. They can provide comments if they wanted to just get ideas from what their peers are doing. So I'm not the only person looking there are feedback mechanisms mm -hmm. that are built into it. Yes. Ultimately, though, and and so there are sort of two related questions. One is, mm -hmm. I'm suddenly wondering about the college admissions person who suddenly hit with this avalanche of portfolios. So it's no longer just a transcript, an SAT, a letter of rec, and a student essay. It's now the student's work. How how do you imagine that plays out? So are you saying, like, how are we going to get a conservation person to look at all of this? Yeah, I'm, th I'm thinking that there's going to be skepticism that the digital portfolio is a, a manageable way to assess student learning uh, for these transition moments. To be honest, I don't know if it is manageable, um, but I don't maybe it doesn't think matter. It's, yeah, I don't know if we want to go easy. I think for me, I always thought maybe at some point in my career, teaching will be easy and I'm just going to do the same thing over and over again. But what I find is you're never going to get to a point where it's easy because every student every year is going to be different. Right. You know? So for the digital portfolios, it is a lot of work, I think, but it is definitely, to me, much better than me giving them a written test or for me to just have them do a playing test and that's the end. In the um, end, though, are you still the arbiter of the quote-unquote grade? Are you the one who has to decide what happens with them or, or how to assess them? For report cards, definitely yes. But I do consider the student's perspective quite a bit. In your writing of the report yes. card? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you do that? Uh, just by talking with the students or having them do, we have a process journal, um, which is, I use Google Slides for that, mm -hmm. where every day they use a different slide. And they put the reflections in there of what they're thinking about their learning, what they're feeling about their learning. And they don't do it every day. I try to get them to do it twice a week 
Yeah, just so that I know how to tailor my teaching for them. So it sounds like you're on a journey yourself mm-hmm. in terms of evolving yeah. through mm-hmm. traditional approaches to yeah. grades to something that's more feedback mm-hmm. oriented, more inclusive. And actually, the I probably wouldn't be overwhelmed at the end of the grading period because I'm looking at it regularly. All the way through. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And that might be the key to the thing. If you're just asking for a portfolio mm-hmm. at the end, then mm-hmm. you get hit with all of yeah, it, Yeah, right? but I have yeah. access to it all the time. Right. So, Zach, as we come down to the end, and wow, this time's gone <laughs> fast, hasn't it? So I want to talk about a couple of things. Um, so you sent me a video clip um, from your uh, Aina Haina PTA back-to-school night. And I watched as these kids were working. They were mostly doing percussive work. And I guess my question is, Zach, I got totally mesmerized by this clip. Why? Why did I become so mesmerized by that clip? I watched it over and over and over again. What was happening with me? Um, for It was really early in the year. So it was actually a very scary thing for our class to do because some of them really had no experience in percussion. They're first year students. Yeah. But they had to teach the parents, the students at Ainahana Elementary. They had to do a demonstration for it. And I think it's inspiring to see these kids really grasp the concepts that I teach them in class mm-hmm. and put it out there for someone else to to use. Yeah. I think I need to describe the clip a little bit. This wasn't students walking up on a stage, doing a piece, and then stepping down. They were all playing in groups all around this cafeteria area. So mm-hmm. it was like a giant percussive festival that was mm-hmm. happening at the same time. And as a parent, you'd be moving from one station, if you will, to yes. another. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. How did you come up with that format? I needed something to get all the students doing something. Yeah. So instead of having one student get up there and do something, again, I, I've heard about stations right, kind of moving around within a classroom. So why not right. put it out there in, in a public setting? Wow. That just, I, mm-hmm. I, that's why I got mesmerized. <laughs> it was as if I was behind the camera and following you around to each of these stations and noticing that the kids were teaching me something about percussion. Mm-hmm. I think my music appreciation is even going up during this interview, <laughs> Zach. It's pretty cool. So there's one there's one more moment that I want to talk about here. Um, this is my magic moment. So, Zach, um, your youth percussion ensemble, Hawaii, you have um, a website, and you sent me to that website as part of my preparation for today. And I clicked on the media link, and I noticed that you had a series of YouTube videos. So for our audio listeners, I'm going to try to describe this. So it's a series of, of YouTube boxes, but they're stacked on top of each other on the web page, right? Mm-hmm. So the natural way, Zach, for me to see that would be to click on one, listen to it, and then stop it and click on the next one and keep on going, right? So I did that. I clicked on the first one. I started listening to that percussive group that you were leading, starting to play percussive work. And then my attention wandered for a second, so I clicked on the second one, but I didn't stop the first one. And then I clicked on the third one and the fourth one, and I had them all playing at the same time. So then I went back and I restarted all of them all exactly at the same time, stacking on top of each other. And then I flipped out because I was listening to the most complex piece of jazz percussive music I had heard. These were four separate events that were happening, and I was playing them all at the same time. So my question to you is, what happened to me in that moment? What was I doing musically? Um, <laughs> no, that sounds crazy. I don't know. Right? Yeah. Um. <laughs> was I? What was happening with my curiosity at that point? Um, inspired by what the students are doing and what you're hearing, mesmerized I was, for mm-hmm. sure. I was really, really mesmerized. Mm-hmm. 
but I wasn't willing to listen to them one after the other. I wanted to listen to them all at the same time. It felt like GarageBand. Hmm. It felt like I was adding tracks in GarageBand and just letting them rip all at the same time. And I just, I thought about your work, that that's, for me, it was like a metaphor for the work that you're doing, is that you're stacking all of these incredible musical programs, if you will, on top of each other, and the kids have a huge buffet to choose from. Does it feel like that? Yeah, that's my goal, I think, to provide opportunities for my students. And And so kind of a related question is, are you connecting with other music teachers around the island and in the state or even outside of the state? We always, we have a a tight knit of music educators, band directors in in Hawaii. So we all see each other at various events and collaboration is really important because it's pretty much volunteer work, what what we do for for our students with these outside of school Mm -hmm. events. Uh, But that is definitely key. And I think we need to continue doing that uh, to make it meaningful and relevant for for our students. Are you um, experiencing other music teachers picking up on your ideas? To be honest, even for me, I'm still in transition. Yeah, I'm still like part of me wants to be a traditional music teacher because sometimes it might be easier. And that's what I grew up with. That's how my teachers taught. So I kind of gravitate toward that. What's that traditional method that you're talking about? Uh, I actually caught myself doing it at the beginning of the year where I was teaching them how to buzz. Hey, we were doing the brass, you know, how to buzz trumpet and trombone. So I'm up there. I put my hands up. We breathe. We all come in together. And they weren't getting it. And I was getting really upset like I, I think typical band teacher would get upset at it yeah. so I went home and I reflected that this is not working it's not good for the students it's not good for me so that's where I got the idea of doing Flipgrid where the students are the ones that have to own their learning I teach them the concepts for a few minutes and then they go off and practice it and then they show right. me what they can do through the through the video and what is Flipgrid uh, it's a video app um, website mm-hmm. thing that students can just log on using a code. They don't even have an account. They use a code mm-hmm. and then they can record themselves. It all gets housed in one one space and it actually links really good into Google. Captures. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, it gives them the ability to capture mm-hmm. their own learning. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow, that's so interesting. Yeah. So I hope that more teachers, music teachers specifically, will kind of gravitate toward this more innovative approach of teaching because it really does ease for me in the classroom at least the the stress the anxiety and where the more of that ownership gets put on the students sounds to me like you're going to be one of the leaders in terms of moving us in that direction um zach as we come down to the end i have um, just a couple more questions for you um you watched most likely to succeed um in preparation for today and you wrote to me that um you found it frustrating and in parts and you found it hopeful in parts what was frustrating What was frustrating is, I think, seeing the kinds of problems that even though we're trying to be innovative in my classroom, that there are still issues where students lack basic common sense, uh, thinking, thinking skills, problem solving is still takes us longer than I would I would hope. So there was one scene where students had to set the chairs up and tables up for the Socratic seminar, and they couldn't really do it on there. They had to be prompted by their teacher. And I go through that same thing with my class because we do flexible seating. So every day could be something different. So just getting them to sit in a semicircle Mm-hmm. And then kids are sitting in a full circle. I say a semicircle again, and then they make small mini circles that they can't grasp, even with a diagram on the board sometimes. Yeah, so I really want to figure out why and how these things that in my mind are simple, why are the students not figuring it out? 
But it sounds like you're deep into reflecting <laughs> on your own practice, and that's what it's really all about, right? Mm-hmm. The answers are not going to be immediate. It's going to take yeah. time to figure that mm-hmm. out. So I'd like to finish by asking you the same question that I've asked every person who's on this podcast. Zach, um, what could school be to you? To me, school could be a place where we take what the students learn in the classroom outside into the community and not just our own island, but state, but beyond, beyond that. And I think that's where the learning becomes authentic and it really becomes relevant to the students where they know that someone is going to see what they are doing and that's where the motivation will come from. And again, it's a it's a struggle every day. It's not easy. I don't want... A lot of times I hear people talking, well, they must have a perfect classroom and I want people to know that it is, it is not. Yeah, it is tough hey, trying to reach every single student. It almost seems impossible, but we have to keep that in mind as what we are striving for. Zach, I want to pay you the ultimate compliment here and say that you have inspired me to go even deeper in music. Just my preparation for today um, helped me to develop my own sense of music appreciation. So you you are a teacher. <laughs> you were teaching me in the process. It's been an honor having you on this podcast today. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Coming up on future episodes of the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast, Susanna Johnson. We need better thinkers in the world. We need stronger humans to you know, live alongside with because things are not looking great. And so if we start to um, shift away from what we think we should be doing and start listening to what students need to be doing, it's going to be, you know, that's the authentic moment. That's the, the purposeful journey. Find the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher as well as at mltsinhawaii.com. Join the ongoing conversation across social media. Look for most likely to succeed in Hawaii on Facebook, at MLTS in Hawaii on Instagram, and at MLTS in Hawaii on Twitter. Tag your posts with hashtag what school could be, hashtag deeper learning, hashtag edchat, and hashtag education. We want to hear from you. Send your comments, questions and feedback to mltsinhawaii at gmail.com or direct message us on twitter at mltsinhawaii our next interviews will be recorded on saturday october 26th starting at 9 a.m hawaii time you can join us in the studio through the magic of facebook live find us at the most likely to succeed in hawaii facebook page video of each interview will also be available on demand on youtube Look for what school could be in Hawaii playlist on our most likely to succeed in Hawaii channel. If you love this podcast series, we would really appreciate a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to help us reach a wider audience of innovative educators. And please feel free to share this series with colleagues, friends, and family. Your host is Josh Rapoon. Our technical producer and podcast consultant is Ryan Ozawa. Post-production is by Hawk Media Productions, the digital media program at Kealakehe Intermediate School. Student editors are managed by May Kanata, under the guidance of Hawk Media Director Matthew Williams. Learn more at hawkmediaproductions.com. Special thanks to photo and video contributor for our October episodes, Matthew Tom, a media and English teacher at Stevenson's Intermediate School. And a huge shout out to Ted Dintersmith, author of the book, What School Could Be, 
an education change agent. Now, off to your next education adventure. Class dismissed.